It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, as uh, Jared, uh, nice little uh, sound effect pun add on there, Jared, giddy up. Uh, Let us know that this is the week two of a mini-series we started last week called Dark Horses. And uh, just to define terms, because this is a dark horse, I think we're probably all aware of that phrase in our modern vernacular. But just to make sure we define terms based on what we're referring to in this series, we've uh, defined a dark horse as a little-known person unlikely to succeed, who ultimately accomplishes great things. And last week, we identified that in order for this to become a reality, some people need to bridge what we call the inadequacy gap. This idea that we start somewhere and God calls us to do something, and for some people, the the initial response is, I could never do that. The, the, the attention is immediately focused on what you couldn't possibly bring to that calling that God's given you. And we looked at that through the life of a guy named Gideon. And whilst Gideon became one of the sort of uh, big wigs of the Bible, big wigs of history used by God to do something uh, incredible, the reality is that his origin story started out where he, he felt very inadequate. And he was here and God was calling him to go there and to do something. In his case, it was to, to defeat a nation called the Midianites that had kept the Israelites under oppression for many, many years. And initially, he just kept telling God what he didn't have. And, and because of what he didn't have, his conclusion, and he was trying to convince God that God had got the wrong guy uh, because he could never do that. And the big idea from last week is that for us, when God calls us to do something, stop telling God what we don't have and just get about using what we do have. That's the jump off point. That will see us bridge the inadequacy gap. And if God's called us to do it, then this arrow isn't our future. Just so you understand, that's not pointing to where you're gonna end up if you do what God's calling you to because it would defeat the whole purpose of last week's message. And look, I gotta tell you, as a, as a, you know, I was able to preach that message last week. Later that day, uh, one of our team contacted me and they said, there's a job that I have been aware of, a job opening that I've been aware of that I had cropped myself out of. I had looked at it, thought, I'd love to do that, uh, but I don't think I could do that. Now, this person's CV would say otherwise, but they had said, I couldn't possibly do it. And God had spoken to them during the message to, to say, no, you, you could do it and, and you need to put your application in. And so they submitted their application that day. And here's the thing, I don't know if they're gonna get the job, but here's, if they'd never put the application in, I know they're not gonna get the job. So, so don't say God's no for him, especially if it's something that he's calling us to. Today, I wanna talk about bridging the excuse gap. And the excuse gap is a close cousin of the inadequacy gap. And it's, and it's another example today of how God uses a dark horse to accomplish significant things. And here's the deal. This is what the excuse gap looks like. This might look familiar to you. Uh, put, yeah, well, no, the next, okay, uh, yeah. It's exactly the same. It's called the excuse, it's like we're on one's, place, God calls us to do something, and we can 
just start throwing excuses at him as to why we're not the person for the job. Now, I've been a Jesus follower since I'm 21. So it's been a few years now. Don't count and don't be rude. Um, One of the things I learned very early on that I'm so grateful that I learned is something that Paul, one of the bigwigs of the early church, wrote to Timothy, a a, a young church leader that Paul was mentoring. And Paul wrote to, to Timothy, said, you know that we are saved and called. And and Paul identifies that those are two separate and distinct things. Now, saved, that's a churchy word, a Bible word for this time in in, in our journeys where we say to Jesus, I believe you are who you claim to be. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. And I ask you to forgive my sins. I I wanna be in a relationship with you and I commit to following you for the rest of my life. He promises that in that moment, we are saved, saved into a relationship with God. Paul indicated that then there's a knock on, there's something else, the the next thing is called and it's not the same thing. And do you know that you can tick the saved box and I encourage you to tick that box, respond to that invitation. Jesus says, believe in me and come follow me and yet never tick the called box. I mean, not that you weren't called, but that you didn't say yes to the calling. And it's in the calling that our life of significance starts to play out. And God's best is that we tick the saved box and we tick the called box. But one of the things that stops too many people ticking the called box is excuses. Reasons why you could never do, insert calling, whatever that looks like. So I wanna look through the lens of of the life of one of the people in history that God called to do one of the most spectacular things ever done in in, in the history of God's people. And this same person holds the Bible world record for the number of excuses they offered up to God before they finally capitulated and said, okay then. And I'm gonna start with the spoiler. And the spoiler is that the Israelites, God's chosen people at the time, had been slaves in captivity in Egypt for decades. And no one wants that. They didn't want that. It wasn't fun. And they'd wanted to get out, but there seemingly wasn't a way. And at one point in history, God tapped a guy named Moses, perhaps you've heard of him, to say, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh, the the new boss of Egypt, and I want you to say to him, like something ridiculous, I want you to say to him, God wants me to say to you, let my people go. And if you do that, Moses, uh, Pharaoh will let my people go. That's your calling. And the spoiler is that Moses did that and Pharaoh let the people go and that's the story. Now, we don't normally start with the spoiler. But the reason I say that is that's phenomenal. That's like, wow, What? imagine being Moses. Imagine being used by him. Imagine pulling that stunt off. And then they, then they left Egypt and they were making their way through the promised land. And there was a, a sea and it seemed insurmountable. And Pharaoh had changed his mind. He wanted them back. So he sent his army after them and they could hear the horses coming for them. But there's a big sea in front of them. And Moses goes, 
and they've made movies about this and the sea parted and they went through it, all the Israelites, and they got to the other side and then the, 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 the Egyptians were coming through. They were halfway through and then the sea closed in on them and drowned them and all their horses. I know, not very PC, but it happened. And it's like, wow, Moses did all that. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. But here's the thing. He was a dark horse. And I want to show you that by showing you his origin story. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, or we'll put it on the screens if not, drop into Exodus chapter two. Now, this is really early in, in, in the recorded history. This is the second book of the Bible. This is the second chapter of the second book. Nothing to see there. Chapter two. Now, let me pick it up at verse 23. Many years later, this is after the Israelites had you know, first being brought into captivity. The king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Well, their cries for relief from their hard labor ascended to God and God listened to their groanings. Now, that's a whole message in and of itself. I don't have time to get into that this morning. Fast forward, chapter three, verse nine. This is when God starts the call to Moses. And he said to Moses, the Israelite cry for help has come to me. And I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. Now, hold that thought. That seems weird because Moses is an Israelite, but God's telling him to go back to Egypt. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, the reason this might seem vaguely familiar to some of you is that Moses was featured, not really. They made a movie about this called The Prince of Egypt because Moses uh, was born to a family in, in the nation of Israel, but his mom gave him up when he was a baby and Moses was raised in the household of the king in Egypt uh, as if it was one of their own family, like the Prince of Egypt. So, you know, if you wanna do a bit of, uh, I mean, you just watch these movies and you never have to go to Bible college. That's really the moral of that story. Uh, let DreamWorks do it for you. Pixar, all the, all the, big, the big Bible players. So, so, so he's left the, the, the household of the king and he's gone back to become a, a member or just like one of, one of the Israelites. And now God's saying, no, but now I want you to go actually back to Egypt where you were raised and I want you to speak to the Pharaoh there. Now, if you uh, have a vague interest in professional sports, basketball, uh, football, uh, soccer, which is also called football, uh, rugby, which is also called football, American football, where they don't use their feet, and that's also called football. Anyway, professional sports, I could go on, curling, uh, stuff like that. You'd be aware that pretty much every year there's a thing called the draft. And look, a lot of these sports are big, big, big money sports. A lot of money goes in and each of the teams is vying to become the champion of whatever it is that, that league that they're involved in. And they don't just leave this to chance. They don't just say, is anyone free this Saturday morning? Want to come and have a quick game of soccer, 11 a.m. down the local park? No, they, they invest millions and millions of dollars all year round into a process called scouting where these teams actually employ people. Their job is to go and visit high schools and universities and, and maybe some amateur sporting clubs to look for up and coming talent, to look for people who potentially have what it takes to add value to the team, to help the team with its objective of 
winning the game. So when it comes to draft day and the, the things on the screen and the coaches on the phone and the managers on the phone, and the, when, when the team makes the call and in the third round of today's draft, we draft and they announce it, the managers and the coaches, they know everything about that individual. They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, they know their accomplishments, they know everything about. In fact, if they draft a player and it turns out that, that, that there's a few kind of things missed in the scouting report, that scout, he's looking for another job next year. He's gonna move into the janitorial team. I mean, their job is to put it all on the table and this scouting report is the very thing that gives the coach the confidence to make the call, we're gonna draft that person this year. God wanted to draft Moses and God had the scouting report. But despite God have, having the scouting report, Moses took it upon himself to undertake what turned out to be an incredibly futile exercise of telling God why he couldn't. Why God obviously didn't know some things about Moses that would have disqualified him. But here's the great news. Here's the great news. If you've ever made excuses or if you ever plan to in the future, the good news is none of our excuses ever catch God by surprise. He doesn't hear them and go, huh, who knew? So let's throw Moses under the bus for the next 15 minutes, shall we? Excuse number one, Moses answered God, but why me? I mean, what makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? This is like, who am I? And his struggle here was identity. Like, I'm, I'm just... I'm just one of the crew. I'm just, I am one of the Israelites. Like literally, I'm not enough. And God says to him, shut down number one, I'll be with you. God said, hmm, hmm, all right. And this is, this is powerful for anybody who's a follower of Jesus because Jesus made this exact same promise to us. When, when he was being crucified, he, he told his followers, I'm gonna be going, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's gonna be with you and in you all your days. So, so we, we already have this, this very same promise gift wrapped with our salvation. So like, just don't bother with that excuse for yourself. Didn't work for Moses, it's not gonna work for you. All right, well, that didn't work. Excuse number two. Well, then Moses says to God, uh, all right, suppose I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, uh, the God of your fathers sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What do I tell them? This one is insecurity. This one, Moses is like, I'm not qualified. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't know everything about you, God. I mean, you know, what do the seven pillars of Solomon's temple mean? Hadn't been built by that stage. Uh, and it's like, Moses is saying, I don't know enough. And they're gonna call me out and I'm gonna be like, oh, and look like an idiot. And you know, who's gonna listen to me? 
in that moment, well, God responds. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. And this bridges the excuse gap. Whenever we throw this one at God, who am I? God says, no, this, this isn't actually about who you are. It's about who I am. That whatever the, 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 this, you know, I am not, I don't know, whatever this fill in the blank is that you're saying that they never listen to me, look, no, I'm, I'm in that blank. Tell them that I am. Whatever you're lacking, you're not, but I am. Oh, all right. So Moses is none for two at this stage. So he, he, he goes, he's, goes to number three. Moses objected. <laughs> well, they won't trust me. In, by the way, hold that thought. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God, pff, appear to him pff, hardly. Pff, because Moses in his history had been caught red-handed killing somebody. So here's Moses the murderer. It said it on his T-shirt. Moses the murderer. Sent by God. Come on now. You should be in prison. Not sent by God. I mean, Come on. So Moses is questioning whether he has enough influence. And you might be the same. I mean, you know, these people know my, what, 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 what suburb I grew up in. These people know what school I went to. These people know that I started out, uh, you know, at the bottom of the organizational chart. These people, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, these are all facts. Moses was a murderer. Facts. But into that, God said, what's in your hand? I'm gonna circle back to that. So, before I do, excuse number four. Well, <laughs> Moses raised another objection to God. Master, please. I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. And this one, this is last week's big idea, inadequacy. I'm not good at. And... <sighs> I don't think that it's reasonable that we would throw Moses under the bus for this one because, I mean, he was not good at the exact thing that God was calling him to do, speaking. It's like, God, I'm not saying I won't like serve you, but can we like pick something else? Not, I'm happy to do something. I'm not even asking you to pick someone else. I'm just asking you, can I have a different assignment, please? Because the speaking thing, that's really not my shtick. God said, Moses, who do you think made the human mouth? Who makes some mute, some deaf, some sighted, some blind? Isn't it I, God? So get going and I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. And man, this should be one of the most reassuring things in this whole story, that God actually says he's gonna bake himself into the specifics. That he was calling Moses to speak and he didn't say, I'm gonna be with you in your listening skills. No, I'm gonna be with you with your mouth. In fact, this is, this is how bespoke God can get with us. He didn't promise to be with Gideon in the speaking because the calling for Gideon was to raise up an army and go into battle. And see, he said to Gideon, I'll be with you and I'll fight with you and I'll fight for you. He didn't say speak. He's not calling Moses to go and try and beat Pharaoh up. So he's not promising to be with Pharaoh in the battle. He's, 
promising to be with Pharaoh in the speaking. I mean, with Moses in the speaking to Pharaoh. Very, very specific. And, and here's, I had to do this. Here's a, here's a preacher's banger that's been floating around for decades. And some of you no doubt have heard this. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. That some of what God calls us to do sets us up for on-the-job training. It's like the Aussie apprenticeship model. It's like, you wanna be a, a carpenter? Here's a hammer. How do I use it? Let's get to work. And I'll show you, I will be with you in the hammering. I'll be with you in the soaring. But you, but you won't learn it if you don't go. You won't learn it if you just... But Moses isn't done yet. Four and oh. So he goes for excuse number five. And this should probably won't come as any surprise to you. This one started to really wind God up. Moses said, oh, master, please, send somebody else. Is anyone, is anyone, is anyone your kids ever do this? Like you've asked them to, you know, take the, the, the garbage out and they say, oh, no, I can't do that. My leg hurts. You say, no, it doesn't. I just saw you kicking the footy at the front. Oh, look, no, I've got some homework to do. You've already done your homework. So that's a, and then they just throw out something like wildly absurd. It's like, uh, I think my right ear just fell off. <laughs> and you're like, what? And even if it did, that won't stop you putting the rubbish out. Maybe this is like, it's when, when, you're, when your seemingly rational excuses run out or the person you're dropping them onto has kind of covered them all and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, this isn't working. I'm gonna go the nuclear option. And then you just drop something like wildly absurd. Okay, okay, God, technically this one isn't an excuse. Can you please just send somebody else? Don't try it with your spouse, but if I was to throw some money down, I think some of you may have done. If you ever get to this point in your excusiology with God uh, and you're like, ooh, I, I need the nuclear option. Let me, let me give you a few suggestions. Like just tuck these away for good measure. You could tell God, uh, my fortune teller has advised against it. You could tell God, go out. No, I don't usually go out on days that end with the letters D-A-Y. You could tell God, um, unfortunately, there's a disturbance in the force and it's not with me right now. This is where Moses moved into just being irrational. Now you can read God's response to the nuclear option for yourself, but let's just do a quick recap. And, and this is really Moses' top five reasons for why God messed up this draft pick. Obviously in the scouting report, you didn't really know who I was or more importantly, who I wasn't. You obviously didn't know what, what I didn't think I could do. You obviously didn't know that I murdered somebody. I'm not quite sure how that escaped the scouting report, but you know, you obviously didn't know like why I couldn't do it. I like, just not capable. And then, well, you know, you just like, you should have just somebody else. But when God was in this draft process with Moses, he said to him, what's in your hand? 
Now, of course, this question was for Moses' benefit, not God's. It's not like God's like, hey, what is that in your hand? Like, it was, Moses was holding something and God said, what's that in your hand? And chances are in his head, Moses would have said, this old thing? Because what Moses had in his hand was a staff, which is a, an, an, an old fashioned tool that would have been carried around by a shepherd. Now, I realize many of you haven't uh, been raised as sons and daughters of shepherds. So it, it, looks, it looks like this. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it's got a, a hook at one end and kind of this pointy bit at the other. And for the most part, uh, you know, as well as just maybe helping the shepherd get up and down some rocky terrain, the hook end would have been for maybe rescuing a sheep that was, you know, hanging over a cliff and you'd be able to get around the neck and pull it back in. And so that was super useful. And the other one would have been like, get going or used to ward off attackers. But it was a very common everyday item. Moses had been working as a shepherd for the last 40 years. So this would have been like almost like just so inconsequential. Like he just got the stick in his hand. He didn't bring it to the conversation. He was in the middle of shepherding when God called him. And God says, hey, what's that in your hand? And he'd be like, um, a, uh, a staff? Like a staff? When God calls us, he knows what's in our hand. And one of the mistakes we can make is that we fail to make the connection between what's in our hand and what God's calling us to do. It's like there's, there's a disconnect. It's like, huh? But when God calls us, He wants us to become aware of our experiences, our gifts, our passions, our personality, our dreams, because he wants to take all of those things that in and of themselves may seem mundane and ordinary and everyone else has got theirs. So, you know, mine's not special. But, but when, we, when we recognize that we have them, we can place them at God's disposal and he will repurpose them. He will start to give them kingdom purpose and take these things that seem to be ordinary and seem to be inconsequential. You know, Moses got to go into the court of Pharaoh. He was raised in that court, but he didn't make the connection. He's just a shepherd now. God says, what's in your hand? And, and, and instructs Moses, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it and it became a snake and Moses jumped back fast, which, you know, sounds about right. <laughs> I would have done the same thing, but I hate snakes. But in that time, snakes represented power and healing. And so God's using this opportunity to say, God, Moses, this just this normal everyday thing that you've been hanging on to for 40 years, it will remain a stick if you just hold it in your hand for yourself, for your safe, familiar, comfortable purposes. But if you throw it down to the earth and you commit it to me, it has the potential to become power and healing. It will take on a whole new meaning and a whole new significance. And just to drive the lesson deeper, because remember, this is the guy that just made five excuses. So God's obviously realized Moses is a little bit thick. And he's like, all right, if that example, which terrified you, if you didn't quite get that, let me, let me show you something else to, 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 just to reinforce the point. 
God said, all right, put your hand inside your shirt. So Moses flipped his hand under the shirt and then he took it out and his hand had turned leprous like snow. Ew, what's that all about? And then God said, all right, all right, okay. Put your hand back under your shirt. And he did it and then took it back out healthy as before. In this moment, God's showing Moses that if you keep what you have to yourself, if you just use it for your purposes, if you just hide it and, you, and you, you make all the excuses, you will remain living a life of insignificance. You will never be able to do what I've called you to do. But if you remove your hand and if you offer your hand and what's in your hand, which by the way, the word hand in this culture actually meant everything you have. If you choose to offer up to me everything you have, it will, it will never be sick. It will never be small. It will never be inconsequential. I will be able to take it and use it for my plans and purposes. You won't live a limited life. So I mentioned last week with my tongue very firmly planted in my cheek that no one that was here last week's ever made an excuse to God when he's called them to do something. But because we've got a fresh audience this week, I'm not gonna make that assumption. I wonder, and I'm not gonna ask you to put your hand up or anything, just, this is just, I want you to kind of, this is you and God, like get honest with him for a moment. But, but my question, is there something that God has called you to or is calling you to do over there that if you were honest, you would say, you know what, I, I've, I've heard it and, I, and I've understood it, but I've, my response has been to tell God, not me. Like, you, you, the scouting report was wrong. Uh, and, and if so, um, from 11 o'clock, when we down tools and pick up coffee, from this moment, from this place, uh, take that step. Take that step. Moses ultimately took the step. And he only had God's word to, to go on that it was gonna be successful, by the way. He could have been killed, you know, like plausible. Uh, it could be leading. You know, maybe God's calling you, maybe looking, leading an Elevate group next year. And you're like, yeah, all right. I don't think I could, but God, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. Maybe it's joining a team, serving, and you'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm pretty ordinary. And God's like, well, what's in your hand? What's your passions? What's something that if you opened it up and put it in front of me, then I could take it? And you'd be like, oh, oh that's what this was for all along. Um, whatever it is, and I could go on with a lot, long, long list of things, but they're, they're, they're technically and typically bespoke to you just like this was bespoke to Moses, but they'll serve the greater kingdom purpose. So whatever that is, now, if it's something inside the context of Elevate Church, and it might not be, it might be something God's calling you to do in the, in the marketplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. It could, be, it could be a bunch of things. Or it could be those and something in the context of the church. If it's in the context of Elevate, then I need just to let you know, grab our Elevate Church AU, Tom, write that down, AU app, and uh, there's a next step section in there. And in that section, you'll be able to let the team know that you're part of your calling that you wanna take the next step is to join one of our teams. And by the way, here's a little fun fact that I like to highlight occasionally. Um, it looks like there's no 
no vacancy signs in our teams, that everything's covered, that everything's been done and done to its maximum ability. And, and I can say the reason it looks like that is because our teams punch way above their weight, do a phenomenal job. Music team, phenomenal job. Host team, phenomenal job. Uh, kids team, phenomenal job. Youth team, phenomenal job. Media team, phenomenal job. Operations team, phenomenal job. You see, there's a bit of a common denominator here, but I can assure you that every single one of those teams will be able to be more effective and go further faster. And there are some vacancies, some opportunities that you can join. And I also will get, go on the record as saying that, that, that I give you a money back guarantee that you will find a new level of purpose and fulfillment by taking a step into a team. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.